You've all heard the saying, there is no I in team. Well, that's partly correct. But we each bring a unique perspective and experience when working as a team. So it can be viewed as a collective group of eyes that work together to build a team of success. Welcome to Unleash Your Inner Goldilocks. How to get it just right. With host Dr. Cass Henry. In today's program, we'll uncover the tools of team success in order to achieve winning results. Now, here is Dr. Cass Henry. Welcome back to Unleash Your Inner Goldilocks, How to Get It Just Right. I'm Dr. Cass Henry, and I am very excited to kick off a new fall season with you. Goldilocks optimizes balance, finding that harmony in everything about life, expanding the centeredness to help ourselves and those we love to pursue their dreams from the place of harmony to climb the summit of our chosen paths to reach our individual goals by getting it just right. I kick off my new fall season every Monday, the show airing at 4 p.m. Central to p.m. Pacific, and our show has an auspicious airing day of September 11th. This is a day that as Americans, we never forget. As someone who lived through the loss of over 300 co-workers in the Twin Tower 2, and the professor of responders who serve us in so many different ways. It is with humility and gratitude that I dedicate this series of four episodes to our courageous first responders, brothers and sisters. In keeping with the theme, we continue our discussion on the centeredness by exploring how we find our true center amidst tragedies and come together as a society. It is during these difficult times that we truly see who we are and what we are made of. Ordinary people doing extraordinary things every day to change lives is the human success story. As a people, we have that inner strength the tenacity and basic decency to rise up to demonstrate our humanity in countless number of ways, empowering ourselves and those around us. Today's episode is named Never Forget the American Spirit of Resilience and Unity. It is timely and relevant to remind us that we can come together for the good of our country we can also take the lessons from such harsh reality to become a better society that unabashedly showcases its humanity on all fronts. To help me with this difficult and yet triumphant conversation, our Chief Mike Spain and Chief Frank Cosman. Chief Spain and Chief Cosman, welcome to the episode Never Forget, the American Spirit of Resilience and Unity. Hello. Thank you. Welcome. So honored and happy to have you. And as we kick off this conversation, what I would like each of you to do is take a couple of minutes and give the audience some background of what you, why you do what you do and what makes you passionate about serving our country and our community. Well, I guess I'll start. Uh, like you said, I'm Frank. Kosman. I'm the chief of the Bensonville Police Department. I've been here for uh, 30, coming up to 33 years now, uh, last 15 years as chief. I've uh, come up through the ranks, so I started as a, a patrol officer back in 1984, 
and that was one of the happiest days of my life being hired and becoming a, a police officer. It was a long uh, struggle to do that, taking many tests and uh, and then being hired. Um, I did. I, I wanted to be a police officer since I could remember. I just wanted. I thought I ha- wanted to have a job that was important in the service of others, and I couldn't think of another job. Even being a fireman, I think it was. <laughs> I enjoyed being a police officer because <laughs> I like to deal with people on a on a on a regular basis, one to one basis, and I, I find that the most intriguing and uh, uh, the most rewarding. So that's why I've enjoyed and been trying to be a, a, the best police officer I can since then. Thank you. Thank you for that backdrop, and also thank you for your years of service for our communities. Chief Spain, how about yeah. you? Uh, actually, I grew up in a household where my mother was a registered nurse. Many mm-hmm. of my relatives were e- either in the military or they were in some type of uh, nursing or medical practice. Uh, actually, I had, at age 17, uh, taken the basic EMT course, and with that, uh, actually, even growing up in Iowa, I actually took it in Illinois at, mm-hmm. uh, Mo- at Moline Hospital. And my goal was always to be a firefighter paramedic, and then uh, I went to the University of Iowa, ended up playing basketball, and had an injury that ended up sidelining me. So with that, went the scholarship, and I had to find a job. So at that time, there were openings in uh, the fire department as well as the EMS division. So Mm -hmm. I I was blessed enough to test into the program. Uh, There were about 500 people that tested in, and I think it was right around 20 or 21 of us got hired. Wow. there worked our way up, worked through, became a, uh, a firefighter, became a paramedic, worked as far as uh, combining a little bit back in the 70s of Iowa City Fire and Johnson County Ambulance, which unfortunately, due to political situations, have separated since mm-hmm. then, but uh, just worked my way up, such as Chief Cosman did. I worked my way up as a became a uh, EMT, paramedic, firefighter, then worked my way up through the ranks. Then it came down to the point where uh, Iowa City and Iowa did not have a very good payment program as far as as uh, benefits. And because okay. uh, when I started, it was at 97 cents an hour in 1974 wow. with okay. no benefits. Well, uh, That's an opportunity rough. came, came mm-hmm. up. I moved to... Uh, with, with my wife, moved to Illinois. I became a firefighter with uh, Richton Park Fire Department, worked my way up, and uh, became chief there uh, before I left to come to Bensonville in October of '03. So given this, I'm about ready between fire and EMS, about 43 years in the service. Uh, of those, about 20 between both uh, agencies, I've... I've, I've been at the chief level, at the fire chief level. And uh, Cass, as you know, I was one of your students recently yes, in the SIU very recently, master's yes. program. And uh, that's how we got to know one another and kind of the rest is history. And, you know, yes. the philosophy is that uh, 
we're really here in times when people have their worst days, and it's between police and fire, which I will say in Bensonville work very close together. Uh, that's that's what that's what we're here for. So yes, that's the public yes. service, and mm-hmm. that's why I get into it. And both of you have such a a glowing track record, both from the community and everything. I see and I hear, and my personal experience coming into town, we actually run our classes out of the Bensonville Fire Department. So I have a more intimate experience, and thank you for both your services and tirelessly grooming the next generation to continue with the service. So as, as we continue our conversation about the first response and the role you fulfill in serving the local communities, how does the geography you cover, Bensonville being part residential, part commercial, you are bordering the one of the largest uh, international aviation locations, O'Hare. How does what you do get impacted by where you are doing it? Well, being part of the Chicago uh, metropolitan area, we have all the, the problems and the uh, resources that that. Uh, uh, provides. And um, it's being a, a town of like 18,000, 19,000 people and having uh, our resources um, limited to just our to ourselves, we're able to get involved in more in task forces so we could bring the expertise and the manpower to handle situations, uh, I, you know, any situation that, that might uh, present itself to us. So that's how we do, uh, work and it's a lot of part of being a task force because where we're at, we're able to, to depend on other towns with other specialties, and we have our own specialties that we provide to other towns too. So as part of our individual, we're a team, and that's how we fulfill our needs. We're part of a, a team out here in DuPage County and Western Cook County that uh, provides for the needs of all of our mutual citizens. So that's okay. a, a major uh, uh, part of uh, being in a metropolitan area like uh, like this. And what I'm talking about is like, uh, any kind of special operations team, any major investigations teams, uh, our arson task force, our, our drug enforcement task force, mm-hmm. all those kind of uh, 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 the task forces that you would think of in larger towns that they would have, we're able to provide to our citizens by uh, uh cooperation and bringing all of the resources from the surrounding towns together. That is a fascinating array of things that you do, even though you're not a big city like Chicago, but being, as you said, being a part of the metropolitan community, plus being a part of that big aviation community right outside the airport, I can see why that becomes a huge, huge boon to the community. Yes, and and specifically being next to O'Hare Airport, uh, Bensonville, we've had our, our problems with that, but it also is beneficial. And in order to serve the community, you have to look at what your community, the special uh, problems and aspects that your community has. And, like, mm-hmm. we have neighborhood watch programs. Everyone has neighborhood watch programs. We have a, we've developed a, a, an airport watch program because there are, okay. like, uh, airplane spotters that are around the airports that check uh, uh, that it's their hobby to watch the planes. And we used to just run into them, and after 9-11, making sure there wasn't any suspicious activity going on, we got more involved with them. And so one of our officers uh, learned about Airport Watch Program, which is designed specifically for those members, and we incorporate okay. them to be uh, type of force multipliers, more eyes and ears, 
uh-huh. on the ground for us to be watching uh, around the airport. And uh, we implemented a regional uh, airport watch program called ORD Watch. That, that is such a airport. wonderful add-on because obviously the lessons learned, we have now empowered the hobbyist citizens to be part of the public safety awareness and therefore making that a data point to make our lives and our community safer. That is fascinating. I am intrigued by that. Thank you, Chief Kassman, for sharing that. Chief Spain, what are some of the, in a minute or so, what are some of the um, fire and fire prevention-related aspects that are different because of the community you're a part of? I think there's really two words that you need to focus on is integration and cooperation. Uh, The state of Illinois was recently given the, uh, I guess, nomination or the the heads up that for the fire aspect, given the local education that we go through, given the uh, advanced education, and then given what's called MAVIS, which is Mutual Aid Box Alarm System. Okay. This is an integrated system that was put together by a retired fire chief and a retired lieutenant colonel from the Air Force, Chief Jay Reardon, out of Northbrook. This has been our tool to integrate and enhance what our responses are because... Even the city of Chicago, with as large as it is, does not have, in situations of disaster, situations of catastrophic events, such Mm -hmm. as what's happening in the Houston, uh, Texas area, we formed an integrated relationship between all the communities so that we know what we need, we know who's coming, and what level of training. Now, what's really cool about this is from the Mavis perspective, they, we've, we've also integrated in to the ILEAS, which is the police portion. So the integration between police and fire, uh, I can say in, in uh, Bensonville, has gone extremely well. There's mm-hmm. other communities that are still in the process of trying to integrate uh, into a one organ, really two organizations, but functioning as one. Uh, the specialty teams, such as Chief Cosman talked about, uh, okay. we've got the hazardous material. We've got the the terrorism task force as far as responding to uh, incidents of suspicious origin. We've mm-hmm. got what's called now an integrated program for collapse of buildings. Uh, it's below ground. It's, be, it's above ground. And, and prior to 9-11, this really wasn't an integrated process. Okay. So uh, that is such an important point you're raising. I want to delve into that a little deeper. So let's uh, take a break for a moment and pick this conversation up as soon as we get back from the break. Hold that thought, Chief Spain. <laughs> Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. If you are looking for an outstanding keynote speaker, look no further than Dr. Cass Henry. Cass is available to speak to your company. 
She also offers organizational leadership development seminars and workshops. These seminars can integrate learning and development, customer service, processes, and financial growth. Positive, motivated employees care about their customers and work products. Visit CassHenry.com or follow Dr. Cass Henry on Facebook. That's CassHenry.com for more information. Organizational training does not have to be a difficult job. Visit Dr. Cass Henry's site to find out more about her organizational training curriculum development and global organizational training webinars. These informative webinars cover leadership development, career path and succession planning, financial performance improvement and change management, and corporate finance. For more information, please visit CassHenry.com and follow Cass Henry on Facebook. That's CassHenry.com. Become a member of VoiceAmerica.com. It's easy and best of all, it's free. Start out by going to our homepage or any of our channels and click register at the top. Once you've created an account and signed in, you can create your own custom library, opt into our newsletter, search by show, host, guest, or topic of interest, or browse millions of hours of content across all of our Voice America radio channels. Membership gets you more. Visit VoiceAmerica.com today to get started and tailor the listening experience to your taste. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. You're listening to Unleash Your Inner Goldilocks. How to get it just right. To reach Dr. Cass Henry or her guest today, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Henry at hotmail.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back to Unleash in a Goldilocks, How to Get It Just Right. We are having a conversation on the episode, Never Forget, The American Spirit of Resilience and Unity. My guests today are Chief Spain and Chief Cosman, Fire Chief and Police Chief from the Bensonville uh, community. Welcome back to the show, gentlemen. So before we went on the break, we were talking about all the aspects of police and fire that have evolved since 9-11. Before we go into a deeper conversation about what are those and how the civilians and the citizens need to understand it and better become effective partners in that process, can we take a step back and take our memories back to where we were, what we were doing, and how we were personally and professionally impacted by 9-11 because it was something that it was a day and a moment where all our lives were changed and to me personally I was scheduled to go to a meeting in New York my boss and I couldn't be on the same plane on the same flight because the CFO and the CEO couldn't fly at the same time and we had agreed that he was going to go first I was going to follow and it so happened that our meeting moved from the Twin Tower 2 building to the building across the street. And I ended up in Green Bay. I never actually made it to New York. And I was on the conference call talking to people when we actually watched on the video screen the second plane going into the tower. It is a day I lost more than 300 co-workers. We had people calling from the rubble saying, can you please make sure the first responders get to this place? This is where we're buried. 
families calling to find out what happened to our loved ones. It was an unplanned, unimaginable day of horror. And days like that stay with us, right? And for us, it is a one-off. You gentlemen do this kind of thing while 9-11 is not every day. The horror of things is something you deal with every day. So can you help us understand how you dealt with it? Where were you? How, what was going on in your mind and in your thoughts? Well, I, I remember it was right in, in central time. It was around 8 o'clock in the morning when I first was uh, waking up. And I remember waking up to the, to, I had the, my alarm was the radio, and they were talking about a plane that had crashed into one of the towers. And mm-hmm. at the time, I was thinking what a horrific accident that was. And, uh, and uh, I remember just listening to the, the, the radio, the news, and then them saying that a second plane had uh, crashed into uh, a tower. And at that point, I realized that it was a terrorist attack and not just a terrible accident. So I remember uh, being shocked at, in, in that uh, realization right then and jumping up and uh, getting ready for uh, uh, work as fast as I can and headed into the station and then to the village hall where we uh, were monitoring the situation. Uh, I, I remember that the schools were all concerned uh, in reference to at least uh, showing uh, support to, to the to the students and making sure that they knew that they were safe. So we had called in and had officers uh, stationed to the local schools uh, in our town to make sure that the, the, uh, the children uh, were safe and felt safe mm-hmm. and, uh, and just monitoring the different uh, uh, the situation that it was that, uh, as it was unfolding um, mm-hmm. here at the station. Um, one of the things I do remember uh, distinctly was later in the day uh, stopping at a convenience store. And just the, and I know it was a terrible event, and it was, you know, I wouldn't want to relive this at all, but the feeling that we had that we were all in it together with the the different customers that were in the store and just just sitting there talking, there was no no differences. We were all Americans that that day, and Mm -hmm. everybody was uh, very supportive and just knowing that we were all together was a, mm-hmm. a strong step. And if I could bottle that day, that moment of unity and oneness, that people were willing to put humanity first and all the external differences upside, to me, if we can bottle that, we would be so much better off even today. So yeah, well, I'm so glad special. you brought that point up because we have it in us. We have it in us to be better. And we don't have to wait for tragedies to happen to become those people. You're right. So, Chief Spain, what are your thoughts on what was going on? Uh, well, I was at my, I was in Richmond Park. I was at work when uh, one of the guys came in my office and said, a plane just hit the Twin Towers and it's on TV. So I went out and I looked and was watching it and uh, kind of in disbelief. And then at that time, the second tower hit. Or the uh, it was about a few minutes later the, the 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 second tower was hit. At the same time, when the second plane hit, my daughter, who now is a lieutenant colonel in the Air Force, was at the uh, Air Force Academy in Colorado Springs, mm-hmm. and she was able to get out for a second because one of her 
generals who was teaching a class was pulled out four minutes after the first plane hit, and he came back in and and or had someone come back in and say, we are now under attack. So she was able to at least open her cell phone and let me know that we were actually under attack. And they did at that time know who it was. And so that was the real, I, I guess, shock, the, the disbelief, mm-hmm. the utter horror. And to, to emulate what... Uh, Chief Cosman said, at that time, in the smaller community that I was in, the phone started ringing with questions, with inquiries of how we could help. What could we do, not only Mm -hmm. for the people in New York, but the people of America? Mm -hmm. The local communities. Mm -hmm. Exactly. You know, how is this how is this going to affect us? Yes. What mm-hmm. is going to happen? And and a lot of it where we did not know what was going on, we mm-hmm. were expected, which is what our role is, is to bring normalcy out of chaos and fear. And I, I, I think that's one of the, the, the most devastating feelings I have. And then honestly since September 11th, uh, 2001, the word, the definition, and the actions to prevent it, terrorism, went from simply a word in the dictionary that happened other places to the reality and the prevalence that it can happen here. Yeah, it was brought to a doorstep. So was there anything different you had to do being close to O'Hare? This was a aviation-related attack. Here we are right by a massive international aviation hub with international planes coming in. I remember being at the Aon Center off the lake, the tallest tower off the lake, and we were evacuated immediately. We had a secret service on the top of the building. In the building, we had one or two, um, I think the Canadian High Commission was in the building right next door. So there were embassies in there. There were a lot of international uh, governmental things going on, and we were evacuated in this building. And I know universities and schools were also, kids were all, young people were all sent home. So I know there was mass panic around. And how did... What should communities learn from this in terms of proactively having a plan for their families, plan for their communities? Because the police and fire can't do everything, right? As homeowners, as family members, as head of households, as educators, we should have plans for every contingency scenario. Yes, you should have plans for for any contingency, and uh, whether it's sheltering in place or uh, having to evacuate, you need to have some uh, some plans for that. Uh, probably most firefighters and police officers for their families, they have go um, kits ready in, in their garages in case they have to uh, call home and let their family know where to go because they mm-hmm. might be, uh, you know, uh, serving the public and not be able to get out at that time, but they want to be sure that the uh, uh their families are taken care of, and that's that's part of uh, being a professional and being able to uh, deal with these different kind of a situations that 
that occur. Um, on the day that it happened, I remember we were doing extra uh, patrols along the, uh, our perimeter of O'Hare until the plane stopped. And I remember the last plane being a Japanese airplane landing and knowing there wouldn't be another plane coming mm-hmm. and going for a while. And it was uh, a very uh, different kind of situation, and especially when a, a fighter jet would be flying by or anything overhead. That was it, it brought everything home that this was a, a special situation. I know. Uh, sitting at uh, Aon Center watching MiGs airfield and planes coming in and going, taking off, the day after 9-11 and everything else going on around us following 9-11, having lost our teammates in Twin Tower 2, it was atrocious for us. So as much as people moaned the fact that MiGs was ripped up overnight, for those mm-hmm. of us who sat and watched planes coming at us every day as part of the normal corporate aviation, it was such a relief that we didn't have to be on pins and needles every time we saw a plane come by the building because we were right across from Migsfield. So I truly hear what you're saying. It is not as big as O'Hare, but it's still the kind of damage one could cause with the plane. Nobody thought that aircraft could be used as a weapon, but for the first time in our human history, we saw a airplane being weaponized. Correct. So let's Continue this conversation soon after we take a required break, and let's get back. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com If you are looking for an outstanding keynote speaker, look no further than Dr. Cass Henry. Cass is available to speak to your company. She also offers organizational leadership development seminars and workshops. These seminars can integrate learning and development, customer service, processes, and financial growth. Positive, motivated employees care about their customers and work products. Visit CassHenry.com or follow Dr. Cass Henry on Facebook. That's CassHenry.com for more information. Organizational training does not have to be a difficult job. Visit Dr. Cass Henry's site to find out more about her organizational training curriculum development and global organizational training webinars. These informative webinars cover leadership development, career path and succession planning, financial performance improvement and change management, and corporate finance. For more information, please visit CassHenry.com and follow Cass Henry on Facebook. That's K-A-S-Henry.com. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. You're listening to Unleash Your Inner Goldilocks. How to get it just right. To reach Dr. Cass Henry or her guest today, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Henry at hotmail.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back to Unleash Your Inner Goldilocks, How to Get It Just Right. 
We continue our conversation with the episode, Never Forget, The American Spirit of Resilience and Unity. Continuing our conversation on the lessons learned and our mindset in our psychological framework as aviation was weaponized against our very humanity. What are some of the post 9-11 Homeland Security initiatives each of you are working on? Take a couple of minutes and explain to us the importance of that, why uh, civilians, citizens need to understand it, and how they can partner in being informed citizens and proactive citizens in protecting our homeland. Well, citizens, I think it was just an expansion and the importance of a neighborhood watch program, where if you see something, Mm -hmm. say something. It's, It's part of a... The police, we're, we're only as uh, effective as the citizens that we serve. If we, we need the cooperation, we need people to give a call to uh, uh, when they see something suspicious or if they learn mm-hmm. of some situation. And that is uh, uh, paramount in, in, in our field in order to, uh, to gather and to know about what's happening in our situation. That's why we started uh, programs like the Airport Watch in mm-hmm. uh, trying to uh, d- uh, get that information and having the, all those kind of what, uh, what's termed force multipliers in order to, mm-hmm. um, to make sure that, uh, less would uh, fall through the cracks of the information mm-hmm. that, that's out there. So that's so what I we see- do. We have to open up to the mm-hmm. public so that they feel comfortable with doing that. Uh, okay. and so I see the value in this program, getting the citizens involved, because now you have more eyes watching what's going on. But inevitably, there are going to be one or two people out there who are going to have a different motive and misuse that and do profiling and things like that. So how do we as a society guard against that? Well, you know, we... It, 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 that's a kind of a tricky question because we want people to give us information. We don't want people to think, well, I shouldn't call because I don't want to be um, uh, stereotyping or being prejudiced against uh, other people. So it is a tight mm-hmm. rope kind of a thing to watch or, you know, mm-hmm. to, to deal with. But, you know, you, you could just give us the information and we will look into it and without being accusatory and just okay. trying to find, find out what exactly has happened. I mean, we have a lot of those kind of calls, and it could be someone just trying to t- take some photographs, just trying to learn some, uh, you know, observe something where probably most cases it's not a, uh, someone trying to do something uh, uh, wrong. But if, if you discard those kind of uh, uh, or, uh, suspicions, something could happen, and uh, the tragedy could result from that. So it is... It is kind of kind of hard as the police. It's our it's our profession to, in order to try to tell if something is serious that we need to know. We're usually looking for patterns, and but okay. as an individual citizen, you don't know what that pattern is or exactly because yeah, that's not you're not in that uh, field on a day to day basis. You have your that's own specialty mm-hmm. that you're working at. Mm-hmm. So it's hopeful that when you tell us, we're able to figure yeah, if it's something and how to approach it without being offensive to anybody. That's good. That's good. So that so the scenario you are describing requires a police and fire department that is trusted by the community, 
has that moral compass to do what needs to get done and do that in a way that is uh, just, doing the things in a just manner so that you're not victimizing anybody, but you're looking into what needs to be looked into and then you do the right thing for the right reason, right? So we are also living at a time where mostly good police and fire departments doing what they are supposed to do, protecting the communities, but it's inevitable one or two rogue fire chiefs or police chiefs or departments that get into a situation where the community doesn't trust what's going on around them. And all of a sudden we have combustible scenarios cropping up in our communities, right? So what is the right balance? How do we as a society go about building a culture without falling into the trap of profiling or victimizing anybody putting our collective safety first and look at everybody, as you said, through the patterns and actual data and actual observations as opposed to prejudices? Well, I think what you have to do is get out of your comfort zone most of the time mm-hmm. uh, and uh, not just keep going in the same groups and the patterns that you usually go through. You have mm-hmm. to go and meet different people. And in my uh experience, once you start meeting different people in different groups, you end up uh, treating other people more as, you know, humans like yourself. You find common ground and you're uh-huh. able to uh, interact in a, in a much more uh, uh, worthwhile uh, uh, manner. Okay. So is that something police departments across the country do, though? Get to know their communities, understand the cultural differences across the communities? Because... Not all police departments have the reputation of being trusted partners and holding that public trust. What what would be your advice to those up-and-coming young leaders in the police department and those seasoned police chiefs who have lost control of what's going on? I mean, I think you have to be proactive in order to go and uh, uh, meet uh, other people. Um, In... uh, in our area, you know, we had officer go to the, the, his, the churches where uh, a lot of Hispanic people would go to, which would be not uh, something we never would have thought of in the past to do things, uh, you know, be going, be going out to those areas like that. I know when, when there are groups that uh, um, uh, reach out uh, and extend an invitation to you, you have to, you have to go and, uh, and meet them. And uh, and be out there so you make the contact and make the have the people you know who to, to talk to when a situation arises so you can get the uh, know what the, those what that uh, community is thinking and uh, you know how best to respond to them. Out at, we're lucky out in DuPage County here. We have a group called uh, um, uh, DuPage United that is. Uh, uh, sponsoring that kind of work between the uh, uh, different minority groups and the police departments in town. They just had a picnic that they sponsored that uh, a number of us chiefs from around DuPage County uh, went to, and uh, officers were there too, and uh, just uh, to meet the people when it's not a confrontational kind of situation. Often, if it's you're waiting for Mm -hmm. that confrontational situation, it's too late for you to uh, develop a a good relationship with a group or a person. 
Definitely. And food is always a good way to bond with different communities because when you break bread together, it gives a different feel for everything and you start building a different kind of relationship. So that is such a wonderful idea that DuPage County has incorporated into that whole process. I appreciate you sharing us, sharing this with us. So, Chief Spain, what are some of the challenges the fire department is facing? Now, police has a different set of um, issues to deal with, and we hear a lot about what's going on with the police departments. But there are also situations where fire department professionals are called into a situation that appears to be a setup, and people have gone off and killed firemen and killed first responders. So how are fire departments and fire chiefs looking at terrorism of that kind? Because not all terrorism is going to be a plane flying into a building. And most terrorism is going to be homegrown local. How are we trying to deal with it? And what are fire departments needing to be aware of? Actually, it's an excellent point. And to Chief Cosman's point is because a terrorist event, whether it be globally or homegrown, frankly, is a police matter. We're mm-hmm. in the fire department, we're there in in a supporting role. But mm-hmm. since 9-11, frankly, many fire departments have tagged on, and I know we have, as far as getting out into the public, educating the public, explaining to the public what our role is, explaining to the public how they can be proactive, such as Chief Cosmos said, the go bags, getting out and seeing the different type of ethnic groups. And in Bensonville, we've got many ethnic groups. Seeing what the common denominator is between all groups, which is trust, which is safety, and which is security, Mm -hmm. that's actually what we here have tried to do. Now, from a from a homegrown perspective, uh, in Bensonville, we and uh, the fire department, we have purchased the uh, ballistic vests. We have mm-hmm. purchased the helmets, but we are training now with the police department for some of the homegrown catastrophic situations, so that the expeditious approach. Police and fire can combine together. We know what each other is going to do, and mm-hmm. and and the 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 police are there to uh, neutralize or take the situation to a much calmer effect. Where now you've got the the firemen, you've got the medics who are there to immediately treat and transport what whatever needs to be done. We, mm-hmm. We've now been through Loyola Hospital, which is our pod hospital. Uh, we've all got the military-type trauma dressings. We've all got the military-type. It, it, it's like it, it's, it's like a super glue type of thing that you can stop the bleeding very quickly, which consequently saves the life or potentially saves the life or the limb whatever's compromised. So you've really seen an integration of police and fire into the point of, you know, we joke about, you know, police, you check the wrong box, fire department, you guys Mm -hmm. are the best cooks and things like that, which is all true. 
But the reality <laughs> is, is when it comes to someone needing help, I can safely say in Bensonville, you're going to get a cooperative approach. Mm-hmm. We, when, when we have open houses, when we have barbecues, when we have neighborhood type of situations, both police and fire show up. We've oh, that's got, good. That's good. Is that common across every community, or is Bensonville one of those special towns where they understand the interconnectedness and fire and police are two sides of the same coin? Actually, in Bensonville, it's very unique because, okay. you know, in many departments or many or many communities, just as that, police and fire, two separate entities that are expected to work together uh, but really don't train together. We've set up a training program. We've mm-hmm. got uh, people on, on for the police side and the fire side that are training together. We, which years ago, it was, yes, you come together, you, you, you work with one another, but you never trained with one another. So, okay. so essentially, it's bringing the, the emergency safety aspect to the resident in as quick and organized manner as possible. And to use an example, Years ago, God forbid, what happened in Columbine, Colorado. Yes. Right now, the philosophy is don't wait, but go in. This is what the police and fire in Bensonville are now training on. Uh, mm-hmm. We've also got the hospitals on board, physicians, nurses. So it, it really has worked to cultivate an avenue and of, of safety for the resident and and uh, you know when when people always think, gosh, you know, it's costing us so much for police and fire. Kind of the way mm-hmm. to look at it would be a better way. Above us at Homeland Security, there are many many situations on a daily basis that police and fire come across and are able to yes. neutralize huh? it. No one ever knows, and that's mm-hmm. what keeps. Yes, and people tend to forget that what they don't see is the most value. What they've seen is a little too late, and lives have been lost and situations have been compromised. That, that is such an excellent point, and I cannot believe we are at the end of our third segment. Let's go into break and come and pick this up for our last segment, gentlemen. Build a better business. Achieve that goal. Make good on that resolution. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. If you are looking for an outstanding keynote speaker, look no further than Dr. Cass Henry. Cass is available to speak to your company. She also offers organizational leadership development seminars and workshops. These seminars can integrate learning and development, customer service, processes, and financial growth. Positive, motivated employees care about their customers and work products. Visit CassHenry.com or follow Dr. Cass Henry on Facebook. That's K-A-S-Henry.com for more information. Organizational training does not have to be a difficult job. Visit Dr. Cass Henry's site to find out more about her organizational training curriculum development and global organizational training webinars. These informative webinars 
cover leadership development, career path and succession planning, financial performance improvement and change management, and corporate finance. For more information, please visit CassHenry.com and follow Cass Henry on Facebook. That's CassHenry.com. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Build your better business. Achieve that goal. Make good on that resolution. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. You're listening to Unleash Your Inner Goldilocks. How to get it just right. To reach Dr. Cass Henry or her guest today, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Henry at hotmail.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back to Unleash Your Inner Goldilocks, How to Get It Just Right. We are getting back on the last segment of Never Forget the American Spirit of Resilience and Unity. Uh, Chief uh, Spain and Chief Cospin, we've been having such an interesting conversation about how we have evolved since 9-11, the importance of police and fire working together with Homeland Security to be the proactive arm to get the communities engaged so that we truly put prevention ahead of everything because the minute we go to incidences, it is too late, lives have been lost and the costs are beyond what we can put monetary value on. And as we were getting ready to go for the break, the topic that was brought up is, and people talk about police and fire spending money and this has been an issue across the various communities as the financial crisis has happened and the purse strings have had to be tightened. What communities tend to forget is when people lose jobs and the community is suffering is when the services of police and fire is needed more. Police and fire are asked to do more with less when economically there is a downturn. So how are the two of you as police and fire chief working together to deal with the shrinking of the pool of money, but the expansion of the services required? Because when people are out of work, they also have time to get into mischief. Right. Nah. Well, we're, we are getting more involved with uh, community organizations and trying, and like you brought up about the prevention, after-school mm-hmm. programs are uh, a, a larger uh, component of our, of our police department. We have a police neighborhood resource center that opened up in an apartment complex where we used to have a higher amount of crime, and mm-hmm. it's 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 worked uh, pretty pretty much. Uh, pretty well with us. So in order to make a sense in community where there wasn't a community before, where parents then, you know, come together and meet each other, we had a a soccer league that's gone together. Oh, an interesting component that a little bit different in in reference to to traditional like Park District uh, uh, soccer league, there's a, a, a rule that at least one of the parents have to come there during the games. 
So the parents end up meeting each other, and we have officers that go there and try to interact with the, with the, with the people and let mm-hmm. them know what the resources there are available. But I think more importantly, the parents from the community get to meet each other and like in the apartment complex, when there's some uh, a, a, Jew, a child who might be acting wrong, they know who to get in touch with. They know that's, you know, uh, uh, John's son. And they, they're able to, you know, reach out to that parent or mention it to them the next time they see them. So you get some of that community uh, um, reinforcement on uh, acting uh, correctly or, you know, socially uh, uh, correct in the, in, the, in the community, which helps us immensely. That, that is such an excellent point you make. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that insight. And yeah. go ahead, Chief Spain. You were going to say something. Uh- what I was going to say is one of the things since 9-11 that has helped police and fire tremendously is the federal grants. I know for the mm-hmm. fire department with the AFG grants that were established in uh, 202 that it helps us buy equipment. It helps us with personnel. I can say for Bensonville, we've tried to be extremely modest, but we have, well, I should say, uh, written grants that we've received $750,000 in money to buy anything from training, command training for all the staff, uh, buying uh, equipment from SCBAs to the uh, uh, it's the special rescue bags. Okay. And but what it is, is is it's come together. And I know from the police aspect, they've also been able to. Uh, write grants. They've gotten a lot of grants for a lot of equipment that otherwise would have been bore by the local uh, residents through through their tax base. And mm-hmm. so that's been extremely beneficial. They also have prevention on the fire side, such as going out, as Chief Cosman said, getting with the local uh, groups, getting with the churches, getting with the social organizations to train the people and also explain to them that what they have, because many people, thank goodness, don't have to use the services of police and fire or minimally, so we're kind of an unknown entity, but the funding has come there. The, the, The reality is many of our items are Mm -hmm. very expensive. I'll use an example. We just bought a new ladder truck, which was a million dollars. That's got to last for uh, 20 years where maybe a police cruiser is 35,000 and will last Mm -hmm. for three or four years. You know, just the culture shock of the difference between 35 or 40,000 and a million dollars. I know, but it is also compared to the loss of lives and massive number of loss of lives if there is a big fire and we don't have the right letter truck, right? Exactly. And and here's the big thing. Last but not least, the fire department was formed with the idea of of an insurance, the insurance that when you have some type of medical or fire emergency, that people are trained, people Mm -hmm. are there quickly, to mediate the situation. And that's really why, when you look at it, the fire service is an insurance policy. And I, I'm going to step out and say... It, it's I funny you say that because at Aon, we actually, being an insurance broker, we actually had those plaques 
that people used to have outside the house because if the plaque wasn't there, fire department never used to go in. That is correct. It's an excellent point you make. And wow, I can't believe we are at the end of our time. Thank you so very much, Chief Spain and Chief Cosman, for spending the hour with us and helping me educate our audience. You have given us so much food for thought. And last but not least, thank you for your continued service. Thank you to your teams and everybody around you and in your profession for making our lives and our livelihood safe and making our country safe. Thank you very much. And as we, it's been a pleasure. Yeah, my pleasure. As we continue uh, towards the close, I would like to remind our listeners that our show is moving to Monday, 4 p.m. Central, 1 p.m. Pacific time as our new airing time. We're on Voice America Empowerment Channel. I encourage all of you to subscribe to the show and start downloading and listen to, listening to the old shows as well as uh, listening to our new shows as they come on. We have been talking about the importance of a police, fire, and the community working together in making sure that we as human beings in a society live together, work together, and have each other's back so that we truly demonstrate our humanity and our resilience as one group of American people. While we may be different in so many external ways, deep down, we're all Americans. We all have the same American dream, and we all aspire to uphold our American values. So keeping that in mind, Let's go out there and make sure we live the life that Goldilocks embodies. How do we stay centered? How do we make sure we follow our pursuits? And how do we make sure we find our happiness while making sure we do not destroy the lives of others around us? Remember, every human interaction is an opportunity for our transformation. So let's go out there and let's transform lives. And let's not forget to start with our own. Thank you for tuning in to Unleash Your Hidden Goldilocks, How to Get It Just Right. Please join Dr. Cass Henry again next Monday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel for another edition of the program. We'll see you then.